Hello, and welcome to Friday, April 9th, the 99th day of the year 2021. This is the matching edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and newscast that seeks to bring you up to date on the decisions made in the area in the voices of those who were involved in making them. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and I thank you for choosing to take a listen to this sonic version of the program. On today's show, a review of much of Charlottesville City Council's meeting from this past Monday, including first reading of the budget and a discussion of performance metrics. Council also added the Star Hill Vision Plan to the 2013 Comprehensive Plan as part of the appendix. That and headlines in this edition of the show. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, supporter Lonnie Murray wants you to know about a series of seminars on spring and fall landscaping with native plants. Plant Virginia Natives has held four of these already, but the next one is coming up on April 20th with Beth Mazel of Blue Ridge Prism on how to identify and eradicate invasive plants in Virginia. The bulk of today's show deals with the Charlottesville City Council meeting from Monday, April 5th. But before we get to that, here's a few quicker stories. The unemployment rate in the Charlottesville Metropolitan Statistical Area dropped to 4.8% in February, down from 5.1% in January. That's according to data released on Wednesday by the Virginia Employment Commission. Statewide, the rate in February was 5.4%, down from 5.7% in January. The unemployment rate in February 2020 was 2.1% in the Charlottesville MSA and 2.5% statewide. Over in the Shenandoah Valley, the Stanton-Waynesboro MSA has an unemployment rate of 4.6% in February, down from 4.8% in January. Last year, in February, those communities had an unemployment rate of 2.2%. Tomorrow morning at 11 a.m., the University of Virginia will hold a ceremony to formally dedicate the Memorial to Enslaved Laborers, which was completed last year, but the pandemic prevented a public dedication. There were at least 4,000 enslaved people who built and maintained the University of Virginia from its founding in 1819 until Liberation Day in 1865. The event will be live-streamed. Tonight at 6 p.m., a group called the Descendants of Enslaved Communities at the University of Virginia will have its public launch on a virtual event that begins at 6 p.m. Speakers will be Dr. Andrea Douglas of the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center, Dr. Jody Allen of the Lemon Project at William & Mary, and Dr. Michael Blakey of the Montpelier Descendant Committee. Registration is limited. There's a link in the newsletter. And finally, in this segment... The eastern parking lot of the Blue Ridge Tunnel in Nelson County will be closed for at least three weeks, beginning on Monday, April 12th, so that it can be expanded. The director of the Nelson County Parks and Recreation Department sent out an email this week stating that barriers will be placed on Afton Depot Lane and people will be stationed outside to direct people to the western trailhead, which is in Waynesboro. There's more information in a link in the newsletter. Now, on with the rest of the show, which is dedicated to the Charlottesville City Council meeting from Monday, April 5th. Let's just go through it more or less in order. As reported elsewhere, the Charlottesville School Board has entered into a $1.47 million contract with architectural firm VMDO 
to conduct design services for the reconfiguration of the city's middle schools. The capital budget before the city council includes a placeholder of $50 million for the project, but more detailed analysis will yield a more accurate cost estimate. Here's city manager Chip Boyles responding to previous community matters. The initial analysis of the existing buildings of the schools, uh, the two buildings being Buford and Walker, have been completed, including building envelope assessments, general building condition analysis, a building 3D digital modeling, and site surveying. A kickoff meeting will be held next week, and community engagement will begin in early May. An initial assessment of the findings are due back in June. Um, While these will be preliminary and an initial assessment, it will begin to start giving feedback and data to the City Council and the Charlottesville School Board. This week, several housing advocacy groups asked Council to help cover the cost of preventing evictions. The entire nation is currently under a moratorium imposed by the Centers for Disease Control that has now been extended to June 30th. And groups are concerned that tenants will face new pressures once it is lifted. Boyle said Council has provided direction at previous budget work sessions this spring to provide financial resources. Um, We have engaged discussions with the um, Legal Aid Justice Center. Um, They have presented um, some ideas of how this could move forward. Um, At this point, our recommendation is to utilize the American Recovery Plan funds um, that the city will be receiving. Boyle said one possibility is for a two-year agreement between the Legal Aid Justice Center and the city. A community outreach person would be funded as part of this arrangement. I do believe that's the right direction to go is with with contracting with someone like Legal Aid Justice Center. And they have begun to work up what the cost estimates would be um, so that as soon as the American recovery funds are available, we could present that to council for approval. Virginia is also continuing to offer a rent relief program related to the pandemic. There's a link in the newsletter. Councilor Lloyd Snook noted that many in Albemarle County had asked the council to increase funding for eviction prevention and to push for policies to protect tenants' rights. I would hope that they would also that there would also be conversations with Albemarle County, just as they're having the city of Charlottesville. I've been interested to note that roughly half of the letters that we've received in the last few days uh, imploring the city to do something have been from county residents. Uh, and I've asked some of them, well, have you have you tried sending a comparable letter to the Board of Supervisors? Boyles said he has already reached out to Albemarle to begin the conversations of working together. I put the question to Emily Kilroy, the county's director of communications and public engagement. She said Albemarle does not have a specific eviction prevention program, but does fund the Legal Aid Justice Center and the Piedmont Housing Alliance for the provision of direct services. Over the course of the pandemic, the emergency financial assistance program that the county is sponsoring through United Way has provided funds for rent, including referrals from the General District Court related to eviction petitions. The Housing Choice Voucher Program has been able to increase subsidy payments to owners on behalf of our participants who may have lost their income during COVID and have done so on several occasions. 
Later in the city council meeting, they held a public hearing on the budget for fiscal year 22, which so far does not include any funding from the American Recovery Plan because staff wants to have a full sense of restrictions that may come with the money. However, Boyle said one of the first uses will be to fill the revenue shortfalls left over from fiscal year 21. Staff have been working to close a multi-million dollar budget gap. While revenue projections are improving for FY21, we still estimate a $9.2 million revenue loss for fiscal year 21. Final budget adoption is scheduled for April 13th. After that, Boyles is hoping to relaunch the city's strategic planning process in order to inform future budgets. The current strategic plan was adopted in June of 2017, and no one is left on council from that time. My vision is, is as soon as we get through with this budget process, then we begin a strategic planning process that will start to lead us towards the FY23 budget. A strategic plan is not to be confused with the comprehensive plan, which is a document intended to direct the development of land and public infrastructure. The strategic plan is intended to create policy objectives, which then direct the work of the city's employees as well as what the city chooses to fund. Mayor Nakaya Walker said one of her main objectives is to ensure that city funding for nonprofits is tied to performance. One of the major points that came out of the um, task force or whatever, working group, meeting, I convene, whatever we called it, but was um, to figure out how to get citizens' input um, directly and not just have um, nonprofits be able to say that, you know, X number of people participated and thereby just by participating benefit from the, um, you know, from the dollars that they were allocated. Let's get a little bit of background on what the mayor is talking about. For many years, Albemarle and Charlottesville together participated in something called the Agency Budget Review Team, in which a 16-member team evaluated requests jointly. However, Council opted to go its own way beginning with the development of the fiscal year 21 budget in favor of something called the Vibrant Community Fund. In her comments above, Walker was referring to the Measurement and Solutions Group, which had been intended to meet to identify appropriate measures, benchmarks, solutions, and metrics for the designated priority areas for use in the vibrant community funding process. Those priority areas are jobs, wages, affordable housing, public health care, and education. However, that process was delayed by the pandemic. Boyle said the process would be improved for the next fiscal year. For FY23, too, we we want to come up with a a means to be able to identify some of our nonprofit um, and community stakeholders and partners that will become more of, of a line item within the budget so that they can, even though it's on an annual basis, it will be a little bit more definitive for them to know they're going to get a funding of a certain amount. Um, every year. A work session on the process going into the next fiscal year will be held in May. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. What do you know about rock music? Would you like to put it to the test? Join WTJU virtually on April 16th 
for their first ever trivia night at 8 p.m. Join a team in the virtual pub and put your screens together to answer rounds of questions with themes that relate to rock, radio, and local lore. There will be merriment. There will be prizes. Trivia night is just three days before the beginning of the Rock Marathon, a seven-day extravaganza to help fund the station. Visit WTJU.net to learn more. And now back to the City Council meeting. Next in our program, Council Next took up the Star Hill Vision Plan to the City's Comprehensive Plan as part of the appendix. In November 2018, Council used half a million dollars from its equity fund to pay the nonprofit New Hill Development Corporation to create a small area plan for the area around the Star Hill neighborhood. Alex Ikafuna is the Deputy Director of the Neighborhood Development Services Department. Uh, planning Commission uh, and staff worked together. Uh, originally, it was a small area plan, but because of the contents uh, and the uh, efficiencies in the land use, uh, it was agreed um, with the uh, the consultants uh, that uh, it would be submitted to the Planning Commission and subsequently to the City Council as vision plan. Yolanda Harrell is with New Hill Development Corporation, which was formed following conversations that began in July 2017 with former councillors Wes Bellamy and Kathy Galvin. This plan intentionally centers the Black community, not to the exclusion of others, but rather to the intentional inclusion of us. This plan specifically looks at opportunities to increase the street-level presence of sustainable well-capitalized, existing, and startup Black-owned businesses. Harold said part of the work going forward will involve providing gap money to finance entrepreneurial efforts. From the land use perspective, the idea is to create multiple types of housing so as to cover different affordability ranges. Whether you are a first-time home buyer, a voucher holder, or someone looking for the next phase of housing along their financial growth path, In this plan, we have demonstrated how those opportunities can and will exist. Harold said the plan would build off of the work that the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center has done to curate local Black history. The Jefferson School received $450,000 from the city's Strategic Initiatives Fund in fiscal year 2018 and another $500,000 in fiscal year 2019. This plan also speaks to the need for gathering spaces where folks can connect or just simply be, where they can be empowered to congregate and co-create, build and own, and innovate and learn. Harold said the 2.4-acre City Yard property offers the best chance to create new housing. Currently, the City's Public Works Department is located in the space. City Council agreed to fund a $300,000 environmental remediation plan in fiscal year 20. Ikafuna said that money has not yet been spent. A big portion of the New Hill Vision Plan does relate to City Yard. While City Yard represents a genuine opportunity for new affordable housing as part of a mixed-use development, Star Hill's existing residential neighborhood must be sustained and strengthened. Harrell said the plan offers suggestions on what could happen immediately. Brown Street is a hilly road that runs east-west between Cream Street and 5th Street Northwest, and most of the parcels on the northern side are vacant. 
The city's property records indicate there are 14 landowners on the street. In addition to the city yard, the city of Charlottesville owns a 0.13-acre vacant lot at 609 Brown Street. Harrell suggested these properties could be subdivided to create between 10 and 46 new residential units, including home ownership opportunities to first-time home buyers. As for the greater city yard, Harrell said the vision could yield many more places to live. But if we just for a moment just look at the proposed vision, our city could gain upwards of 250 additional housing units, not to mention the additional office and retail space to support the presence of Main Street Black-owned businesses, which can significantly change the social fabric of our community. The plan also calls for the identification of 50 parking spaces for First Baptist Church on West Main Street, which Harrell said will eventually lose 50 spaces when the Amtrak parking lot is eventually redeveloped. There are no plans for that now, but Harrell said the Star Hill vision identified that need for the future. But the main idea is to reconnect the city after decades of fragmentation using new infrastructure. Well, there's an important opportunity to restore and strengthen the connections between Star Star Hill to the a broader network of neighborhoods from West Haven, 10th and Page to Rose Hill to the downtown mall. Councillor Lloyd Snook said he was interested to come up with a future for the city yard, but had some concerns about adding this specific vision to the comprehensive plan. A comprehensive plan, uh, it seems to me, needs to be more than here's a possibility. It has to be we've made a decision that this is the possibility, not just a possibility. Snook said the visioning work was a start, but the city is in the middle of a comprehensive plan process through the Seville Plans Together initiative. I'm not sure we're there yet. I think you've given us a great start for a lot of of discussions that we need to be having. Harrell said they have met with the consultants, Roadside and Harwell, and have updated them on the Star Hill vision. They are just waiting for this plan to be adopted so that they can then roll it up into the consideration for the overall plan. And we did make suggestions on what zoning should happen and what ways um, the land could be used. It just not to the the, uh, the level of specificity um, that, um, that, say, for instance, that the, the Cherry Avenue plan did. Council's $500,000 payment was to create a small area plan. This is a vision plan. Ikafuna said the work did not have enough land use analysis and the level of detail required for a small area plan. However, it has um, several contents, uh, uh, such as uh, housing, uh, economic development, uh, uh, and uh, uh, placemaking, uh, which uh, part of which uh, is the connectivity concept, which um, uh, Yolanda alluded to uh, uh, in her presentation. For City Yard to be redeveloped, City Council would need to approve a plan to move public works somewhere else, and there is no estimate for how much that would cost the city. But redevelopment would likely begin with environmental remediation, according to Ikafuna. I don't think you can reuse that site without remediation. Maybe the areas around Brown Street can be carved out and redeveloped for 
Uh, it's got a, a good potential for development for housing. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, wholesale redevelopment of uh, City Yard, uh, there has to be a remediation. Harrell said the vision plan does address remediation. The plan suggests the city consider enrolling in the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality's Voluntary Remediation Program, which can lead to grants to pay for cleanup efforts. The plan also lists previous efforts to document contamination at the site and noted that remediation may have a preliminary cost estimate of $3.4 million. Harrell said the plan has taken previous studies into consideration and designates commercial uses in areas that might need remediation. Council voted unanimously to approve a motion to add the Star Hill Vision Plan to the appendix of the 2013 Comprehensive Plan. That's the same way that the Cherry Avenue Small Area Plan and the Hydraulic Area Plan and the Strategic Investment Area Plan were added to the previous documents. You can take a look and see all the previous plans in a link in the newsletter. And then, if you have any questions, let me know. That's what I'm here for. But that's still not all from the council meeting. But this has been a long podcast so far. I have clipped out audio from the rest of the council for future shows. This may or may not include the four-to-one vote on an amendment of the special use permit for new apartments on Harris Street action on changes to city council rules related to expenditure of funds, and a presentation on the latest version of the Orange Dot Report from Piedmont Virginia Community College's Division of Community Self-Sufficiency Programs. There's a lot going on. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for April 9th, 2021. Thank you very much for listening. Now, next week, I'm going to be able to announce something kind of exciting. So hold off on subscribing. I know that I do want you to pay, but if you can pay, think about paying for next week. um, Hopefully, I can make an announcement on that on Monday. Something kind of exciting uh, that uh, will help me to continue doing this, hopefully for quite a while longer. There's a lot going on and... uh, I certainly am at the point now where I'd like to continue continue writing about this stuff. I really enjoy putting this together, and I really enjoy uh, that a lot of you are supporting it financially. But uh, for now, the most important thing you can do today is to send this on to somebody else and ask them to sign up so that they too can get this information uh, to launch conversations uh, to hopefully uh, expand the public realm and uh, all of that. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back in the very near future with another installment of Charlottesville Community Community Engagement. Engagement. Thanks for listening and stay safe.